He was so much for social justice. He had devoted the last three years of his life to that cause. He had found a leader, an ally, whom he believed strongly had the same ideals and passion for the cause. Then one day, it all came crashing down in his mind. He concluded that it was all an illusion and that the leader was even phony. He didn't need to align himself with him anymore. He was so disappointed. What happened? The leader condoned the absolute waste of scarce resources that could be used for the cause. The cause was to help the poor. It just made sense, given how horribly they were treated by the elite of society. Whatever little chance they had of helping the poor had just been destroyed by this action. This was not that what he had signed up for. This was just two days before Passover 33 AD. Jesus had told the disciples that he would be crucified in two days. It was not what they wanted to hear. They did not like it. Not a single one of them liked it. But they had resigned themselves to it because Jesus had said it on more than one occasion, and they knew it was not hyperbole. It will happen. When he was at the home of the man known as Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask full of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head. The disciples became indignant and said it was a waste and that it could have been sold for a lot of money and the proceeds used to help the, pure, the poor. Pure waste. Couldn't Jesus see that? Didn't he know that as they did? Jesus told them that they would always have the poor with them. And then he explained that what the woman had done to him amounted to him to her preparing him for burial. That indeed, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, this incident will be told in her memory. The explanation seemed to have calmed everyone down. But apparently not Judas. He was still so angry and so disappointed, he wrote Jesus off right away. And then he hurried off to execute his mission, a mission that he had been planning for some time. It was a secret mission because no one else knew about it. He went to the chief priests and asked them how much they would pay him if he delivered Jesus to them. They wanted to get rid of Jesus so bad, they decided on the spot to give Judas 30 pieces of silver. That was it, 30 pieces of silver for Jesus. It was the value of a dead slave. He had placed a price on Jesus' head, and he would use that money to help the poor, a very noble goal indeed, than what Jesus had said must happen to him. But wait, John tells us that Judas did not really care about the poor. He was their treasurer, and he was a thief, and he used to help himself to the donations. So if that ointment had been sold to help the poor, he would have had a windfall. He would take a large share for himself, and no one would know. There goes his social justice cause. His secret mission accomplished, he rejoined the fold, thinking that no one would know. And now Passover had come, and they are having the Passover meal. 
While they were eating, Jesus gets up and says, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Everybody was shocked and became sorrowful and was asking, Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? I wonder how Judas felt. He feigns innocence and asks, Is it I, Rabbi? Now, Rabbi is a respectful term, but I don't know why Judas alone among the disciples did not use the same address, Lord, for Jesus on this occasion. Was his guilt eating at him? He should know that by Jesus saying that one of them would betray him, that he already knew what he had done. I suppose by this time he didn't care. When Judas asked, is it I, Rabbi, Jesus said to him, you have said so. Still, he remained at table. He had become defiant. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Judas, he took it, I'm sure, even though he had no intention whatsoever of changing his mind. He had no intention of repenting for what he had done to Jesus, selling him out for 30 pieces of silver. That night, Judas led a crowd of people armed with swords and clubs, and they arrested Jesus. That led to illegal trials and his crucifixion on Good Friday. Jesus said his disciples, and by extension all Christians, should receive this supper often for the forgiveness of sins. Now, there is a man whom I have never met, and I feel I can know him. It is probably true for you as well. Since you are Christians, especially Christians of the Lutheran Church, I have no doubt that you also at least sometimes feel like you know this man, even though you have also not met him. We will never meet this man because he is dead. The man I'm talking about is the Apostle Paul. He was not there when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. He was opposed to Jesus and the Christians with every ounce of blood in him. You know his story, how he persecuted the Christians and made every effort to stamp out this new religion, dragging people to be tried and stoned to death. You know how Jesus dramatically got his attention on the road to Damascus to find more Christians there and bring them to Jerusalem to be stoned and added to the death count. The Bible records him as breathing threats and murder against the disciples. Jesus told him that he had chosen him as his instrument to carry his name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, and that he would suffer much for the sake of his name. Jesus revealed many things to Paul that Paul has not written about. Among the things revealed to him that he has written about is this same institution of the Lord's Supper. This is our reading for tonight. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Clearly, it shows the importance Jesus attaches to the celebration of his supper. He did not give it only to his Jewish followers, but also to Gentiles as well. That, thus, it is for Christians everywhere in the world. The Lord's Supper is for sinners, but only for repentant sinners. It doesn't matter if those sins are only thoughts in your head. Nobody knows that except you. Oh, but God knows. The Supper is also for repentant sinners who commit obvious sins such as gossiping, it is for people who rejoice openly or secretly about people's misfortunes, especially because they did something bad to you. They include repentant sinners who have committed heinous crimes, such as murder. A listener of a Christian radio broadcast once wrote the following to the pastor. Dear Pastor John, I'm a 33-year-old mother and elementary teacher. My question comes from the recent news that Chris Watts, a Colorado man who killed his pregnant wife and two young daughters, has confessed the details of his crimes and been sentenced to five life sentences without a possibility of parole. Now in these few short months, he has claimed to have found God in prison. After following the news closely back when he was originally suspected of this heinous crime, my reaction to his so-called finding God was anger. Is it wrong for me to not want this man who committed unspeakable acts to know my Jesus? Do you believe someone like him can truly repent and enter the kingdom of God? It is hard for this Christian listener to believe that God would do such a thing as forgiving somebody who committed murder and then subsequently found God in prison. If this prisoner has a pastor, and if he has a desire to receive the Lord's body and blood, would it be right to offer it to him? Yes, it would be, even though the natural human inclination is that God should not forgive such a sin. What about the pain of the victim's family? Does God not care about that? He does. Indeed, Jesus took that pain as well into himself. Now, when Jesus said to the disciples that, that Thursday of Passover 33 AD that they would be eating his body and drinking his blood, he did not mean symbolically, but real. He made it clear to Paul, and Paul wrote, it's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Martin Luther picks up on this. What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. What is the benefit of of this eating and drinking. These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, 
show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Paul also reveals that if we eat the bread or drink a cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, we will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And that will bring judgment instead of pardon. What is the worthy way? It is examining ourselves. That is by true repentance. The Lord's Supper is a very precious gift that our Lord Jesus Christ has given to us. It lifts burdens. Small sin, it takes it away. Big sin weighing you down, it takes that away too. And you can leave knowing that you have become lighter. Jesus wants to be in you and with you. In you because he wants to cleanse you from the inside. With you because there are so many things that want to be with you and cause you to sin and be defensive about it. In this supper, he forgives you intimately because you get to hold him in your hands and receive him in your mouth. He satisfies. He satisfies that need for forgiveness. Jesus does not get exhausted with forgiving you. That is why he wants you to receive him often, because we sin often. We really know how to sin, because it is second nature to us. We are experts. But Jesus, he is the expert at wiping away your sins in his supper. So next time we have the Lord's Supper, come, feast on him. It is good for you, body and soul. Amen.